0: Welcome to Harper Academic Calling. Our podcast is designed to give educators, students, as well as every reader, a behind the scenes chat with a range of our authors, from well-loved favorites to up and coming debut writers about their books. Harper Academic Calling, Amber Tamblyn. Amber is an acclaimed actress and director, and is also the author of three books of poetry. Her provocative debut novel, Any Man, takes a critical look at sexual assault in our society, how we treat the victims, how we talk about the predator, and how the victims cope with their trauma. The novel follows several victims, all male, who have been assaulted by an amorphous serial rapist known only as Maud. We had the chance to sit down with Amber on Facebook Live, and the following is an audio recording of our conversation. Given the nature of the novel, listeners should be advised that the following interview contains discussion of sexual assault. Hello, Facebook. Welcome to Book Studio 16. We have a very special guest with us today, Amber Tamblin, author of Any Man, and thank you so much for joining us, Amber. Thank
1: you so much for having me here.
0: So tell us a little bit about the book. Um, what prompted you to write it?
1: Oof. Um, I started writing Any Man about three and a half years ago. I, I could have never predicted that it would be out in a year, um, you know, sort of coinciding with the Me Too movement mm-hmm. and, and all of that. But um, the book looks at the lives and experiences of six men who were sexually assaulted by an amorphous female serial rapist. Um, and it doesn't so much, you know, this isn't about flipping the script, I think, on mm-hmm. sexual assault as much as just broadening the conversation for me. Um, I wanted to create a female antagonist that was um, was truly, truly horrifying and terrifying in a certain way, but who, as a predator, you know, had no consequences, much mm-hmm. in the way that I think um, a lot of, real real life predators um, up until recently with the me two movement have not uh, experienced any consequences um and so I wanted to examine that. What would it look like if a woman could just do whatever she wanted to do and be as awful as she possibly wanted to be without ramifications? Then mm-hmm. I also just wanted to sort of examine you know our culture the the word culture in the term rape culture, and what does that look like, and how does social media affect? you know, the world that we live in both positively and negatively and, you know, really examine whether or not we're, we're helping or hurting and, and do we know the difference anymore?
0: Mm-hmm. So you said you were writing this, um, you were in the process of writing this during the Me Too movement. Mm-hmm. Did that affect the manuscript It was actually, it was
1: actually finished by the Me Too oh, movement. It was which is crazy. Yeah. I started it three and a half years ago. So mm-hmm. it really was finished like in 2016 and the Me Too movement, all of this happened just this last year, mm-hmm. um. At the end of it so I had finished a first draft I think that there were definitely you know my experience um, being a part of that movement and you know a founding member of times up and everything that's happened over the last six months certainly I think little parts of it lended to lended itself to um, some ma- some last minute uh, draft changes whether that was sort of enhancing the way in which um, the media sort of voraciously goes after um, survivors of sexual assault, uh, monetizing and commodifying their stories and their experiences, almost, you know, re-traumatizing them in a certain way, which is what I've seen a lot over the last um, 6 months, but for the most part, you know, this was a totally separate idea that I thought about years ago. But mm-hmm. I do think like female anger and rage and violence and and what it really means to be re-traumatized, to be assaulted. Um, and then the violence that comes after those initial violences is in the zeitgeist. It's something we've all been thinking about, you know, forever.
0: Mm-hmm. So how do you think or hope that this book will broaden the conversation around sexual assault?
1: You know, I hope it, it, I hope it resensitizes us. Mm-hmm. Um, I hope uh, it draws from a new uh, well of empathy um I hope that men read it. It's a great fun book. I know I cannot believe I said fun, but it is and it's also a great thriller. I think that's what I'm so proud of about it is that it really it's well-paced and um you know in my mind it just feels like something that you can consume while difficult but quickly and I hope that men read it and get a sense of like you know wow, is it really like this? Mm-hmm. And and women can go, "Yeah, it's really like this." And so as opposed to us just trying to show them or tell them how we feel, um, that men can then sort of say, oh, I, I feel what you feel. Like, I actually understand those things. And that we can also start to talk about, you know, the fact that while it is predominantly women and, and, uh, and, and, and people who identify as women who are sexually assaulted, it is also men. Mm-hmm. It is all types of men. Um, and, and that that is, uh, you know, part of the conversation that's being left out that I think we we must include if we're going to talk about change in the world.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I want to jump back to that in a second, Um, that concept of, you know, how it is for men. Um, but you mentioned fun. And as weird as it is to say fun, um, there is a point in the book where you have this Twitter feed. Yes. And... Reading that was just so much fun, especially because yeah. I was reading on my phone. So I'm scrolling through, and it just felt like oh,
1: that's hilarious an actual Twitter feed. Uh, quite it was so quite great. Meta. So if
0: you're reading the ebook,
1: <laughs> yeah. the experience
0: is great. Um, what what was writing that like for you? That it felt was... very topical in terms of the media. Yeah. and how they handle. So
1: all that. in this particular section, there's sort of the Twitter sphere is going crazy about this um, about this woman. Her name is Maude, and uh, and everyone is talking about her, and she's got a you know, she's got a predator term coined after her, so she's now got, like, a name. Mm -hmm. She has a
0: hashtag. She has a
1: hashtag. And and you see real-life figures, you know, people that we know in the world, um, tweeting about her and tweeting at the victims and the survivors and... Giving them their prayers and their thoughts, but also, you know, starting like IRL conversations and Facebook Live conversations. And there's a panel between like Caitlyn Jenner and Jeff Foxworthy on CNN and the Wolf Blitzer, you know, uh, Situation Room. And you just, you sort of start to see. And I think part of it for me, although the ebook thing is really interesting that you brought that up, but for me, it has some kind of scary permanence when it's on the page mm-hmm. that we actually can't do the scrolling thing and then you can just see it for what it is which is frankly grotesque, you know, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm part of that problem too and so the, the point of that particular section was to sort of show, you know, again are we helping or are we harming and what is it exactly that we're doing or not doing and how can we do more?
0: Mm-hmm. And so the hashtag that arises from that, mod to penetrate kind of a play on made to penetrate the yeah. way that a female raping a male would work so um, made to
1: penetrate mm-hmm. in a court of law is a term that's used to describe a man who has been sexually assaulted by either a man or a woman it doesn't matter it just means you know the sexual assault of a, of a identifying man mm-hmm.
0: is the so there's a certain shame that these male victims feel mm-hmm. after um being raped by maud is that shame different from the shame that a woman would go through or is that
1: that's a great question i
0: there's almost like I a demasculinization. yeah
1: that well I think it's I think it has to be different just by nature um, mm. first of all I think it's endemic to women's experience for the most part that they have been um, you know we have been living this forever um, and not only just talking about sexual violence but then all of the things that come after the fact so not being believed um, you know being threatened having your livelihood threatened um, uh, tremendous amounts of pressure to, to remain silent uh, and so, um, so I think in, in, endemically it's different for women in that way. But for me, I really, you know, I really wanted to write what I thought, what I imagined the interior emotional lives of men, straight, gay, you know, across the spectrum, what, what they feel. Mm-hmm. And I, you know, we don't get to see that enough as a society, uh, because of, you know, toxic masculinity, but the idea that men are really supposed to live by these rules, you know, they're, they're handed down these sort of um, ways in which they're supposed to live and survive in the same way that women are burdened with these things that are handed down to them. So I wanted to look at, you know, and examine the interior emotional lives um, of men, because I want them again in an effort to say, I see you, mm-hmm. I see what you must be feeling, now can you see what I'm feeling?
0: Mm-hmm. And in the way um, they describe Maud, um, there are some very grotesque descriptions of her, the way these victims and you know, different people on social media who imagine her describe her. Um, and a lot of it seems very tied to just her as this predator. But um, when I was reading, it also seemed like some of it came from a very sexist place that you might oh, not yes. necessarily get when yeah. talking about a male predator. Could you elaborate a little bit on yeah, that?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So one of the things that was, I think, most joyful for me and fun Mm -hmm. to do as a writer was to take the cumulative language that's used to describe women who are in positions of power whether or not those are women we like or not whether they are awful awful people whose moral compass is like nowhere near ours or whether they are absolutely beloved whether they are physically attractive or not physically attractive you know heavy set or not heavy set like no matter what it is our culture and society has very specific terminology and language to denigrate women and frankly, to dehumanize them Mm -hmm. in a certain way. And so I wanted to kind of take that back and create Maude to be an almost an ultimate archetype of all of those languages and all of those words, almost turning her into like a borderline animal. And, you know, you don't you don't really get to meet Maude, you don't get to see her, you don't really get a physical description. She's very amorphous in that way, and I also love this idea that that you just could not see her through the male gaze, mm-hmm. that, that she was not physically present in that way, even though these men and the media are still trying to give her a definition. So there's definitely some some uh, some conversation in the book pertaining to the mythologizing of women.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, so, I think we have time for one more question. Yeah. Uh, and this is a question that we ask all of our guests on the podcast. Since we are Harper Academic, this is primarily for educators. Who was your favorite teacher?
1: Oh, I have a great <laughs> story about this. Good, yes. So, my favorite teacher, her name is Laurel Schmidt. She was my English and poetry teacher when I was a little kid um, in a school I went to in Santa Monica, California. And Laurel, very, you know, I grew up being an actress, I was on shows starting at the age 11. And, um, Being a child actor, and Laurel was adamantly against it. And Mm -hmm. she would tell my mom that, she would tell everyone, and she was so inspiring. She would create these after school poetry classes, and she really made you care about like the Renaissance fair, (laughs) like (laughs) the Renaissance ages and Victorian ages, and things you just, I think, unless you've got a very imaginative teacher, you know, it might just sort of be something you don't care that much about. At least that was my experience. And um, Laurel and I hadn't really talked in several years, and recently during. The Me Too movement and the pieces that I wrote for the New York Times, she reached out. We we got back in touch and we've sort of become pen pals. Um, And I sent her the book. And she's actually in the dedication in the back and the acknowledgments along with my daughter and my mother. So that'll tell you how much she matters to me. And she wrote me the most beautiful letter about how proud she was and how this book changed her. And that, you know, she just was very proud to be a part of any of that upbringing for me, so it's been this really interesting full circle experience, and I feel like Laurel is the one who knew all along that while I was a great actress, you know, writing was really where my um, where my life was gonna to end up.
0: That's great, and look where it's landed you today with this yeah, book, exactly. <laughs> well, thank you so much. This has been a thank delightful you. chat.
1: I so appreciate it, and I hope we can talk more soon.
0: Absolutely, yeah. Yep. So, Any Man is available now in paperback. So definitely check it out. Uh, bookstore, ebook, audio, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Yeah. It's great.
1: And I should say that the audiobook has a phenomenal cast of um, readers from the actor Ben Foster to Mark Marin to Jason Ritter, John Roberts, um, my father, Russ Tamblin. So um, if you want a really, really interesting uh, take um, and you want to hear some great actors reading from it, the audiobook's pretty good.
0: All right, great. Cool. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you. Thanks.
0: Of course. Thank you for listening to this episode of Harper Academic Calling. Subscribe on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or your favorite third-party app for more episodes. And be sure to visit us at harperacademic.com for more information about this and other great books.